Hello, hello. Look at oh, you in a fancy yeah. library in, uh, yeah, where are you now? Yeah. Wisconsin? Yeah, I'm at my parents' house. This is their uh, office. <laughs> the they have, office, they have, they have an office. Very oh, fancy, man. Yeah, it's very bourgeois, very chichi. I want to do the American tour. I want to see the house. It's a nice house. I mean. Okay, maybe, maybe a, I'll do it in person when I come over. It's a typical it's, suburban it's, home, probably, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, three, it's a, it's a three bedroom, four bedroom. I don't know. Whoa! Like that. It's a big house. What? It's a big house. It's too much house. It's like well, maybe I should move to the Midwest. It's, it's, it's too much house. <laughs> Do they plan on having I mean, more kids? But they after you, they're like this. <laughs> no. Hello, Janga. Uh, hey, Janga. What's up, man? Are you wearing an Occupy t-shirt? Really? <laughs> oh my god, Occupy oh, Mars. Okay. Oh, oh, not Occupy Wall Street. Okay. No, 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 Occupy no, Wall Street. Okay. Occupy Mars as an Occupy. Yeah, he's gonna occupy Wall Street as as a barbarian. Jangan's gonna occupy it by doing LBOs and buying up things. Well, I thought he, I thought you were doing like an AOC Met Gala type thing where you show up at the Met Gala and wear a dress. This is tax the rich. <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, Look who is on time. Early. Like, you're early. Yeah, you yeah. really are early. Looking fresh. Oh, I don't know if I look fresh, dude. I, I just brushed my teeth, but I need to go get a coffee. I'm definitely not in that morning zone. And we're going to start 20 minutes before schedule, guys. This is incredible. Yeah, this is amazing. This, this is, is like everyone gets awesome. A plus today. Oh, a wow. plus 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 and yeah, sound plus. works camera plus. works yeah but your internet does look a little bit weak so you got to talk to your parents about that <laughs> i'm in the <laughs> negotiate your internet dave, dave was telling me how nice his parents house are it's like a 20 bedroom house it's, it's like a mansion in house. wisconsin somewhere it's not a 20 it's not a it's not a 20 don't listen to him he's lying I, you know you know i you know, Dave, I could have sensed that even if Alex didn't tell me. I could sense yeah, right? you yeah. kind of the guy, you know? Like, what? I felt like you grew up thinking, like, where should I sleep tonight? You know? Exactly. <laughs> which bedroom Which bedroom shall be the one so that basically, I think? So basically, your parents run a motel. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Got him. Basically. <laughs> Hello, Barbarians, and welcome to the fifth episode of the LLB Podcast, Low-Level Barbarians, from Asia on Asia with discussion and debate on trending topics with our usual hosts, the man of the high ground, Dave Chang. From America today, actually. Hailing from Wisconsin. Yes. Hanging out with <laughs> Jang'an Lee, the information super connector. How are you doing, Jang'an? I need to show you something. <laughs> <laughs> I have that same poster. <laughs> I have that same poster. <laughs> of course you do. Seriously, you if do. you're born in China, if you're born in China, they issue one at birth. <laughs> I, I think I should just get one of that just to piss Amy off. Like, I, <laughs> as someone who's left the PRC, I feel like having that hanging in my room behind me on do all you, meetings yes. might you actually want, slowly get on the nerves. Do you want mine? I have an extra. I think. Yeah, so. I, I, I would take. I would take one. Okay. I would. Take I kind one. of. I will get the Vietnamese version of it. Okay, uh, Andrew G, the master debater. How are you doing, Andrew? That's right. I'm doing good. Unfortunately, not in Wisconsin like Dave, but otherwise, I'm good. Well, maybe we could be there soon. Yeah, come, yeah. come, come visit. 
Yes, and Alex, you're typically your host of EOA. Uh, first topic, okay. I know I, we kind of lied to the audience. We are going to talk about Grab again. <laughs> However, everyone gets one point and one rebuttal, and then we move on. All right, so Q2 results are out. I read the press release. My, I don't think much has changed for me. I, I think they're pushing hard on this kind of profitability narrative. Um, I don't know. Maybe long term they have something, but you know, I, I do. We, we were kind of critical of Air Asia before, so I do hope they they kind of ramp up. So it'll be a very interesting to see what happens with more super apps coming in. As every day, I think there's a new super app coming in. Um, Dave, uh, you had something to share. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me just share my screen real quick, and I promise it'll be real quick. Um, yeah, one point. Yeah, yeah. One, well, it's two points, but basically, uh, how do I share this again? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. one second. Yeah. Well, just don't share your your porn screen. <laughs> which which tab did you share? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. The infinite the infinite tab. Yeah. Okay. Also, okay, since okay, this okay. is a podcast, Dave, you're you're gonna need to verbalize your slides a lot more. I know, I know, I know. This is this is That's the thing. Point. Like, I realize talking yeah. about numbers is terrible, but then like I made I made some slides, but then like you know, people that yeah. are listening, like whatever, they can go on YouTube. You you yeah, really it's... do sound like an ex consultant, Dave. Were you? Did you have a like? Were you a consultant in your past life at some? He was no. his first, one of his first jobs, right? No, well, let's, let's 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 not get into that. Okay, Isaac, okay, okay, okay. Can, yeah. I, can I see this thing by the way? All right, yes, let's do no? this. Yeah, we can see yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So I mean, okay, so just I only have two. I only have two real quick points here, right? And so. um I went through the Q1 and Q2 results and did a bit of reconciliation, right? And I, I just found two things that I, I found was interesting. So they're making a big hoo-ha um, <clears throat> about sort of like they, they're showing like 150% uh, GMV growth and, and blah, 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 blah. And I just went back and I sort of like back-ended how much they're giving away in uh, incentives, actually. So so basically, if you look here, right? So this ANS is their adjusted net sales, which comes from that um, published report. So 286 million in Q2 2020 and 550 million in Q2 2021, right? And then, so this is a non-IFRS stat, right? And then their revenue, yeah. which is, is an IFRS stat, right? For the same time period as Q2 2020, 77 million and Q2 2021, 180 million. So if you go back and look at the reconciliation they did, basically what they, based off their last, uh, their Q1 report, what they did is essentially moved consumer incentives from post-revenue to pre-revenue, right? So what that means is that gives us an indication of how much they've spent on consumer incentives and to a certain extent driver incentives at the same point, right? So basically what I want to highlight here is um, their incentives have increased year over year from 209 million to 370 million. So what it's basically saying is they, they spent 161 million uh, to to grow about 103 million in revenue. So I think what, what I'm saying to me is their growth is just all incentive driven, which again, hasn't really changed my stance on any of this. Uh, I think what's a bit more interesting though, is that next part, uh, how do I go down? Where's my... Sorry, so how much does that represent in terms of GMV change? So they spent 160 so, million. Uh, I'll get there. Yeah, I'll get there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So yeah. So the next slide is so their GMV is here, right? So two 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 point four billion in Q two twenty twenty, right? Versus yeah. three point eight billion or three point nine billion in Q two twenty twenty one. So it's it's approximately the same, right? So they spent about fifty percent more, and the GMV increased about fifty percent more. Uh, but what's interesting is using these numbers and their their average GMV um, per MTU or sorry, the average basket per MTU, that's a typo there, we can 
back end, they're actually MTUs uh, quarter over quarter, right? So they actually grew 25% yep. uh, year over year on the MTUs. And then if you you know use the 161 million incentive number, basically their CAC is 30 US dollars. Um, and then using like a 4.6% margin, which is basically the revenue developed GMV, we're looking at like a break even on paying customers of 652 USD uh, per MTU, which I think is pretty pretty aggressive for the region. So that, that to me are the interesting takeaways, which may not be readily apparent if you don't compare the Q1 reports versus the Q2 uh, reports. Yeah. What's, what's also interesting, like, I mean, if you just take that Delta, right? So GMV 3.9 versus 2.3, that's about 1.6 billion additional GMV for $160 of additional incentive spend. That's a 10% CIR. It's not exactly like bad uh, e-commerce wise, right? Um, the question is, with that increase in, in GMV per MTU, why are they not able to increase revenues? Like, it's it's good to see GMV grow by 50%, but why do you well, think revenues yeah, haven't that, been able to that, that alludes to the point, is this paid for the growth that, like, every dollar they're putting in is just growing the market, which is a very expensive exercise, right? So, which is, they're pushing beyond the natural market size. Is that it? Mm. So, I mean, there's no natural market size. It's a fast growth market, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, limited to, like, the profitable segment because you know wealth distribution has to go down for everyone to participate in the super app right yeah so, yeah um, so where are these incentives going mostly so because right mobility is still you know uh, at, at its at its low season right which means i guess primarily like is that is that food it's the it's delivery i mean i didn't want to break out it i didn't want to break it up a segment by segment because we promised each other that yeah. we do only do like five minutes of this but it's it's delivery i mean yeah. You can, you can just go look into the Q1 versus Q2 and do the math. It's pretty straightforward. Which is interesting, right? So, so sorry, just just one like one little okay. like, question slash comment there, right? It's like I so in Malaysia we have some competitors that are trying to launch low commission uh, food apps, right? And so what they're yeah, doing right. is they're partnering up with uh, with third party delivery service providers, and then they're going to merchants and saying instead of the twenty eight percent predatory you know uh, take rate that these guys do, let's give you <laughs> half or even less, right? Ten to fifteen percent instead, uh, and then they then link up with uh, logistics providers like GoGet and Lala Move and try to yep. get them to do it instead. Uh, to the end customer, it actually seems a lot more expensive because like, you know, for, for me, for example, a restaurant that's 15 kilometers ab- uh, away, it's like 15 do- ringgits, you know, three and a half dollars for a um, uh, for that delivery fee versus say five ringgit for, for Grab. And so as a result, I, I'm not sure if they, like what Grab has effectively done, like at least to me, it seems like with that 28% like top line take rate from stores and then like subsidized delivery theoretically they should be able to cover it right but why why do you think that even with delivery becoming such a huge segment and with it becoming twin like with that high overtake rate that they do in a lot of their markets they're in minus maybe indonesia so is this just indonesia bleed is like is that what's happening or is it like are they just not able to take that 28 percent and convert it very effectively into logistic subsidies Jagan, Dave, uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I I should read through their whole um, the whole slides uh, for the release. So 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 there the, the, the are two interesting slides. I mean, first is that uh, the business in Vietnam practically stopped mobility wise, and I think I think huh? I think really? yeah yeah. So so basically, mm-hmm. they have a slide saying that uh, uh, mobility completely stopped in Vietnam in July. Uh, I mean, GM is almost zero. Um, so. So I think Anthony well, mentioned in the earnings call, actually dialed into the earnings call. You guys can do that next time. Um, he uh, said nice. that, uh, he said, I think, I think the government doesn't, 
doesn't recognize uh, commercial delivery services as as part of essential service during during the during the lockdown in Ho Chi Minh City. So ah, that's why. Okay. So that's impacting them quite a bit, and they also have a slide which um which looks looks at which indexes each major city. I mean, three or four major cities. Um, uh, their numbers compared to January uh, 2020. And you will see that Jakarta, uh, Jakarta is still below 20, uh, January 2020 levels, and KL is like a, like 1.5 times of January 2020 levels, which is actually pretty impressive. Um, so a few a few other points. Um, so Andrew, you mentioned about um, the the guys who are doing low commission. Um, how do these guys acquire customers cheaper? Because at the end of the day, um, merchants go where the customers are, right? I mean, whether I mean. You ask every merchant, they are they ask, hey, can you bring me deals? And only you bring them deals, they talk about commission, whether it's uh, it's good enough or whether it's too expensive. But uh, but no commission yep. guys, I mean, how can they I mean acquire customers in a sustainable way and in a cheaper way? So so Dave, you mentioned about um, uh, GMV per, per MTU. So so definitely they are trying to convert their customers into more services. Uh, I remember there was one uh, the, the two numbers in the in. In their slides, I mean, first is eighty-five percent of the Grab Mart users were converted from food, and five uh, mm-hmm. percent of the food users are now using Mart. So, 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 so they are seeing this as a, as a as huge uh, growth potential. So, um, we talk about Mart and and and, and groceries delivery. I mean, everybody even in China is burning a lot of money to try to convert this this behavior because um, because especially when I'm not sure whether, how much fresh Grab does, but. Um, but when it comes to fresh, it takes time to educate people's behavior uh, and uh, and get them used to a system. Um, yeah, I, so maybe we could leave this part for a discussion for another day. It sounds like very interesting stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't want to respond to this because I feel like look, we could go really deep with this if you really want to. It's, it's, it's like there, there's a lot to unpack there. Do, do we all still get one comment on this or... Yeah, go ahead. Have we? Have we yeah, 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 it sounds you like you used up like yeah. five comments, but sure, you get six. Why not? No, no, no. So, <laughs> ouch. I, I want to see this analysis of how much we spoke afterwards, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, try to control this. But anyways, the thing that I'm excited about, not not specifically the numbers, is the Grab partnership with MTech, um, and uh, there's a commitment to uh, unload Bukalapak stores onto Grab. Um, which I find really, really interesting because, like, you know, if you remember Bukalapak's IPO, there was a little bit of an issue uh, first couple of days, but then they bounced back and, and they're doing relatively well. First yeah. large tech IPO in, in the IDX, right? But then what's very interesting is, like, Bukalapak strategically trying to, to chase after this 60 million warung opportunity that we spoke about, I think, in episode two um, via the Mitra business. And... I think that Grab starting to see this as an opportunity the way Ula, Gudang Ada, Buku Warung, Warung Pinta and the others are moving and they're like, who do we partner with here? There's a couple of like senior guys at Grab right now that are all ex-MTech, um, you know, across engineering and partnerships. So at, at the end of the day, like them being able to work with Grab Mitra and move these stores onto Grab is going to be a game changer in terms mm-hmm. of like broadening that assortment and selection, uh, having payments and loans like funnel to this. I think like what they're recognizing is like they can do things that Bukalapa can't, Bukalapa can do things that they can't. No. Why not join fastest? And it's almost like a weird go-to like competition via a JV, right? Yeah. Um, which I think is, is like really interesting strategy for Indonesia. I'm excited about that and to see like how the Bukalapa uh, grab combo is going to work against the go-to combo. They're also acquiring a bank, right? If I, if I hear correctly. 
That's right. That's mm. right. And uh, and in Malaysia, the licenses should be out by end of uh, this year. So there's about three more months, and mm. they are in the running. Uh, uh, there's discussions I, I, about yeah whether to increase the number of licenses here. My my final comment would be that um, I, I listened to a podcast with Dara Kazro Shahi, right, the CEO of Uber, and um, I think because the presence abroad outside of America is really big. Uh, the and they what they they killed off their their autonomous driving, right? So. That's the exact strategy they're thinking about too. So like these kind of corner stores, like if you want to talk about growth and where everyone's heading, it feels like what's driving these uh, big platform companies is the same ideas. It seems like it's going to be rideshare 2.0. They're going to raise crazier rounds probably and, and tackle this. And, and if you really think about it, it's similar to how the Chinese have unfolded, right? You amass the user base. You you try to get more assortment and you try to get, try to extend the LTVs, right? So I think it's just a new wave of uh, the next big thing that everyone's converging to and competing for. So that's the way I see it. Dave, we're in Wisconsin in the USA. And how long does it take for you to order a uh, anything from DoorDash over? Uh, so I am in a suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So people know that is basically the Midwest. Uh, I mean, I can get like a pizza here in like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. But that's like what? But, which model? Like under these platforms or are you talking like a Domino's? Just it's, it's called Papa John's. First, first, first of all, first of all, Domino's is, is awful, but you you get Papa John's, right? It's like twenty minutes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean that's that's a different model completely. Um, have you have you tried the actual food apps yet, or no? No, 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 no. I'm actually. I mean, this is not for the podcast, but I'm actually eating healthy while I'm here, and I'm trying to lose some weight. I've actually lost five pounds already. So just uh, just for just for you guys. Wow, you even converted to pounds already. <laughs> yeah, I've converted pounds. Switched right in. Wait, will your accent change as well, Dave, in the next uh, two days? M- maybe, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jagan. So saying that a friend of mine who used to work for uh, some of the big hedge funds in the US and investing tech, and he's, uh, he's super pol- bullish about DoorDash um, for, for two reasons. I mean, first is that uh, I think, I think that their, their, their tech rate is still lower than, uh, than Uber. Uh, in the US, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have not checked financials, so 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 I don't have um, that numbers verified. And uh, he's basically saying that because because the Uber founder has um, has promised to investors about profitability at some point of time, so it's um, it's very difficult for them to 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 make massive investments to 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 to, to grow to grow the market size. And um, what was for for DoorDash, it's um, I mean it's I mean we 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 you are doing low low tech rate. It's uh, it's a lot of room for you to sort of sort of uh, sort of uh, uh, buy the growth. And uh, and his second reason, which is super funny, is that um, DoorDash founder is from Nanjing originally. So basically, he would have access to what Meituan is doing and learn and adapt them faster. <laughs> so I would I would somewhat disagree because at least listening to Dara's interview, right. Um, I, yeah, I think you're right in the sense that part of their segment has to be a very profitable engine, but the way they look at the growth in other regions, they're willing to invest for long term, I think. So it, it will be a tough competition in, in the end of the day, I think. Mm. But Dara is yeah, a manager. He's not, he, he's not the entrepreneur. I don't know, man. His early days with Expedia and like, he, he sees some stuff, man. Uh, you know, uh, anyone who's well, worked just... with... Um... No, sorry, 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 please go ahead. No. I was just going to say, anyone who's worked with Barry Diller and IAC, man, those guys are hardcore, man. I, I don't know. I would... I would, you know, bet on those kind of guys. So, Andrew, last comment. No, man, I'm, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep my comments Dave? for the more exciting pieces that we have after this. You, you know what? I had something to say about DoorDash, but I think let's just move on. Uh, we said like five minutes, and we're already over. So, this this could be for the next discussion. Food food's still interesting, right? So, um, so moving on to 
C Group going global. They raised a ton of money. How much did they raise? 6.5. 6.5 yeah. billion public markets, right? Six point something, yes. 6.5 debt, debt capital markets. And then I'm, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not they, sure if they, is there an equity tech? Uh, 11 million shares plus 2.5 B uh, convertible. Okay. So, yeah. so, so, they're, equity. so they're, they're printing money essentially. Uh, mm. the, they're, they're, the numbers are showing the growth. Investors like it. Stock price is going up, so it's easy to print money. Right? It's a good cycle. This this is larger than their IPO fundraiser. Yeah, that's like 2017, yeah. which nobody believed that the company would, could make it. Yeah, but they, they proved it. They proved it, right? So they're where are they going? Latin America, all the Americas, uh, Europe now. Uh, where are they not? Probably what Antarctica at this point, right? So, um, Jangan, why don't you give us your thoughts about? The strategy, how how they're going about this? Uh, how do you think? Do you think this is very bullish? Do you think this is the right call? Um, how, how are you thinking about the overall expansion in general? H have you guys heard what their uh, head of investor relations uh, relations said at uh, at one of the sort of uh, fundraisers and one of the roadshows for this particular round? I think that was on Thursday. Um, somebody asked her, why do we need so much money? Why do we need so much money? And apparently, the the lady was pissed off, and and she said. Uh, I mean, she basically gave a rant, and uh, the essential, the essential um, part of what she said over ten minutes was, "Look, the market, the time is huge. Competitors are weak. If we don't raise money, I mean, we know how to grow, uh, grow better than you do. And if we don't yeah. take the cash now, we're stupid." I, I completely I, agree with that sentiment, right? I think I think that sent a whole room into silence for uh, I mean whole Zoom room obviously <laughs> into silence for more than one minute. So uh, I think I love it. I, I think like they closed around uh, within two days. Yeah, um, they they are truly the barbarians here, right? Like these, yes, this is are. like back to the 14th century. They were like these wall defenses mm. are weak. Everyone yeah. bring your axes. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so, so I, I, I do believe that they're riding on very good market sentiment. And if you look at share yep, price, right. it barely dipped uh, after the after the announcement. Uh, and and they, they were able to raise at the three, I think three eighteen um, dollars uh, per share for the for the for the for the equity issue. So that's pretty aggressive. Mm -hmm. I think for the debt, um, the convertible price is like four four something. I can't remember. So 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 so, and it was fully subscribed. So it's, it's really good. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do think. I mean, they, they they are in Latin America going pretty big, and uh, and I think they're probably going to make some investments there as well. So they are going to Poland. That was reported by a Polish media, and um, and we, and, and also they they are in India. So 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 we have people telling us that okay, that whatever they are doing in India, that's coming from official sources. Um, I I'm not sure whether they're going to the Middle East, but I think that would be a relatively easy market for them to tackle. And JNT is already investing a lot in in, in the Middle East in terms of delivery infrastructure. So, so you see, you see, you see, you see this whole thing going on, and uh, and I think if they can make Poland work, uh, people might come to believe that uh, in sort of one of the more advanced countries, they can probably tackle Amazon because Amazon has been slow to tackle markets outside US and the core Western Europe markets, right? Yeah, I have so I have a couple points um, about this. So. Vis-a-vis um, -vis Poland, actually, Amazon, I think, is in Poland. They've been in Poland for a few years now, and they've actually, um, to this day, been outcompeted by the local competitor. Uh, I can't remember what what it's called, but and they're they're there. Um, so I had a couple I had a couple points Allegro. about this. Mm. So I, I agree with you, number one, that I think from like a capital markets uh, 
you know, financing point of view, this is sort of like a logical move, right? You know, strike while the iron is hot, while the getting is good. Um, I have read that there, or I'm getting a sense, and I don't know how much people agree with me on this one, is they also may or may not have a sense of urgency built in to the timing of this raise. What I mean by that is, you know, they were the only publicly traded company that was really kind of operating in the e-commerce um, super app space in the region for like a year or two, right? I mean, you could buy into Lazada tangentially through Alibaba, but let, let's be honest, you're really just buying Alibaba at that time, right? If you really want to directly buy like e-commerce in Southeast Asia as a public market investor, you have to go into, you have to get um, uh, C, i.e. Shopee, right? And I think, um, but that's, that's changing, especially this year. You know, we have several large, large competitors that have already gone public, like Bukalapak, or will be going public, uh, within the next couple of months, supposedly. So, so we have GoTo, um, and we have, um, uh, you know, obviously Grab. So I, I think, you know, there might be an element of, of pressure or just urgency built in because, as I said, you know, if, if people want to make bets in the region and e-commerce or, or, you know, super apps is their chosen vector, this is probably probably their last chance to be the only player in the space before there's some reasonable competition from other uh, entities, right? Um, but that, that aside, I think, you know, for me, I'm actually not a huge fan of this move, right? And I, what I'm trying to say, like, what I want to get at is, like, I think there's a, there's a big difference in tech between, like, a tech company and a tech-enabled company. And they're often... Uh, bucketed into the same thing as a tech company, but I think there's an important uh, delineation we have to make here, right? So, I mean, just just for the competition. So, for me, a tech company is a, a company that like actually invents a technology and they monetize through technology, whereas a tech enabled company is a company that is made possible through tech. So, let me use it. A simple heuristic, right? So, heuristic you could use is like a tech company is where technology is a profit center. So, like a Google. Right. Whereas a tech enabled company is where like technology is a cost center. So let's say like an Uber or something like that. Right. So within this framework, for me, C is a tech enabled company. And if you look at the truly global tech companies in the world, they're almost all tech companies, not tech enabled companies and tech enabled companies that try to do like a really aggressive global expansion. There's a, there's a very long list of very repeatable companies that have tried this and failed. Right. So within that is like Groupon, there's Uber, there's Alibaba. And for me, this seems to be them um, playing a game where it's like very growth and narrative oriented. And I think that honestly, you know, I, I think raising the money was a great idea, but frankly speaking, if I was in their shoes, I would have deployed that capital um, within the region and at least assured my dominance in the region, right? I was actually reading through one of your reports, Jangan, from the lowdown, and they were looking at the market share of respective e-commerce players in Indonesia, which is a crown jewel of the region, right? And yeah, Shopee is a leader, but it's a leader by a very, very thin margin. We're talking like 14.2 billion uh, GMV versus 14 billion from, um, uh, uh, well, at that time, Tokopedia, and now it's going to be go-to, right? So they're, they're leading in the region, but they're, they're, their lead is by no means, uh, you know, complete or sure. And I, I think just like this capital it, or this, this move of global expansion, especially into like a market like India does for me seem premature. And I, you know, 
maybe they're, I'm sure the management has their own reason and they have much better like insight than I do, but like sitting from where I'm sitting, I'm, I'm, I'm not really a big fan of this. Yeah. So, so I, I love that example and I'm going to tell you why they think this way, right? Because Garena, because Free Fire. So the ultimate, like, so, so there's two parts of the businesses. Never forget that their primary businesses is a tech business. The second one is tech enabled. You're absolutely right. And the very cool thing is with the tech business, they have, like, do you know what the largest markets for Free Fire are? India, Brazil, and then Poland comes very close to like mm-hmm. in the top 10, right? Yeah. So they're literally striking where they already have a target user base that's yeah. readily on their apps, right? Yeah. So so if you think about it, when it, when you look at their, their, their acquisition funnel, they are already on the mobile phones of these guys. Their ad space to get that little um, like ticker is cheap, right? They signed Jackie Chan for a global deal. Jackie Chan's a global face, right? That ad to be displayed in Brazil, to be displayed in Poland, same cost. So what they figured out is how to use Free Fire like, like they're actually doing this out of necessity, right? They're basically, they know that Free Fire has an expiry date. They don't know when it's going to hit them, but it's going to happen. And so they're like, before that expiry date happens, they need to be like, have another engine running. And so what they're currently doing is uh, basically striking in all these different markets where Free Fire already has a lead, right? So, so number one is like, they're able to capitalize on, on the existing success of the game, right? Number two is there's cost efficiencies, right? With all the assets that they're creating, with the technologies that they've created, their ability to port that, because like this tech stack that they've created can be ported to Poland very easily, right? Uh, And then three is the fundamental issue they're trying to solve is assortment and speed, right? If you look at the real competitors in any of these markets, it's AliExpress and AliExpress is shit. If you live in Poland, it takes you two weeks to get anything, right? And they know that they can speed that down to five days if they need to because they've done that in Southeast Asia and the maths to do it in Eastern Europe is actually even better than it is for Southeast Asia, right? Um, last bit for me is this, right? I was in Poland in 2019 and what struck me about Poland and, and all of Eastern Europe, so I spent, I spent about a month traveling through Eastern Europe and Poland's GDP per capita is actually like slightly higher than Malaysia, right? 15,000. As a country, 15,000. Yeah. Malaysia is like, I think, 11 to 12,000, yeah. right? And so what really struck me, uh, population-wise, 30 million people, it struck me how similar Poland was to Malaysia. Like, first of all, and this is like sl- slightly off-key, Poland has incredible food. Nobody talks about that, but Poland has the best food in Eastern Europe. And like, that surprised me. But then on top of that, like culturally and the way people thought about their country, this passion that they felt, like it's a very new country. Like the 90s is when Poland was like came into existence, right? And... Mm-hmm. And so they are a very young country with this like, long, rich culture, you know, Marie Curie, all these incredible scientists. A lot of the kids grow up being told, like, you should get into STEM and we need to develop this country, right? And so, so it actually feels a lot closer to an emerging market country than it does to Western Europe. And so my take is this. I think, I think like, what Shopee's figured out is that there are these emerging market countries that are, like, frontier emerging market countries that are sizable uh, and have other kinds of benefits from it that are not very clear, right? Like, so, so I mean, I'm just going to throw a couple of examples here. Like, with Poland, if you crack Poland, it becomes your doorway to rest of... It's almost like playing risk. You get Poland, you can move into Russia, you can move downwards into the rest of Eastern Europe, and then if you build enough of a fortress, you move west into uh, Germany. Western Europe. But you don't try to... Yes, correct. But you don't move into Germany so quick because they're quite developed. GDP capital is very high. They're yeah. very used to Amazon. It's going to be hard to win, right? LATAM, very similar. They're moving downwards, conquer, then move up towards the US gradually. It's very silent. 
notice they're not touching the Middle East, they're not touching Africa, and there's a reason for that. GDP per capita very low, LTV is going to be uh, uh, low, SCAC is going to be high, right? So they're being very targeted about the markets that they get into. And the truth is, they have all these lieutenants, and, and this is like my, my like the last and most important piece. You have lieutenants in your team that are so freaking strong and are getting bored of what they've been doing for the last four years. They've conquered Southeast Asia. Like you have these incredible assets. If you don't capitalize on these assets, they're going to leave out and start their own companies. Whoever's sitting up there said, you know, the guys who are running Malaysia, Thailand, like the, all that knowledge can be transferred to with and save time. Like it took you three three years to get to the ARR that you have right now. How can I do that in 18 months? So the guys who are running Poland are actually coming from Malaysia. The guys who are running uh, Brazil came from Vietnam. They're sending people from very corollary markets. They have 30 million population, GDP capita very similar. You, Malaysia, you go to Poland, right? And like guys from Malaysia, like I'm not, like this is actually happening. Guys from Malaysia packing their bags and moving to Poland. They're like, dude, you know, my company now gets to send me to Poland. I get to live in a cool place for five years and dominate and conquer. And I know how to do this. Like, so they do have like from that people strategy standpoint, like that knowledge and documentation in people's heads and it's an opportunity for them. So this is why I think it's an incredible masterstroke. They're doing it at the right time and they're getting fresh capital to give their lieutenants like a cushion to fall back on. Um, I think they're going to kill it. I, I'm, I'm worried about India, to be honest. I'm worried about India. But like yeah. Eastern Europe and LATAM, I, I don't think these other competitors uh, have a chance. In, yeah. So um, a few points to your points. Uh, first, I think, Andrew, I thought you were from Malaysia. So so you you, sh- you should use Commonwealth <laughs> English and pronounce it as lieutenants instead of lieutenants. But anyway. Oh, is it is it supposed to be lieutenants? Yeah, it's lieutenants. Uh, it's le- it's lieutenant in British English. It's because, uh, because in yeah. the past, the French would write USV. And uh, when he, he, yeah. illiterate British just read it and said, oh, lieutenant, because there's a V. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so a few points here. I mean, first, I agree with you that uh, that Free Fire is already global. So the, so, so they learn a lot. I mean, um, not only just to be, just, just be, just, just they have to add space to acquire customers, convert customers, but also, I mean, they figure out, I mean, how to do the payment, I mean, how the customers behave, et cetera, et cetera. All this know-how could be invaluable when they deal with these markets. And, um, and Dev, you mentioned about, uh, I mean, uh, Allegro um, in 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 Poland, which sort of beat Amazon. But uh, but uh, very interesting. We have a have an intern from Poland, and she has lived in Indonesia, so she understands. So she she can talk to us in the same language, and um, mm. and her sense is that uh, I mean, Amazon not able to beat uh, Allegro. Not because of Allegro is strong, but because Amazon couldn't figure out how to do emerging markets. I mean, if you look at all the emerging markets play that Amazon has been doing, uh, India is a special case because they really invest a lot. I mean, they have good, uh, good, good executives, but still it's a tough battle. But look at all the other emerging markets foray of Amazon. It's not particularly successful. China's 100%. big failure. Uh, Brazil is very small. And, um, and, and Poland... For I mean, they've been in Poland running for fulfillment centers since 2014, but only until March this year they launched a Polish website. So what was it yeah, before? I that. A, a Polish version of the German website. Yeah. So, yeah, so, that. so, so that part, it shows the the, the levels of lo- localization that Amazon's willing or able to do. Um, 
and 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 uh, Andrew, I don't agree with you that Alex expresses shit. I mean, relatively, I mean, compared to what Shop is able to do, and obviously people see the difference. But uh, but I think amongst all the Alibaba companies which are trying to go international, AliExpress is pretty pretty decent. Uh, they've been doing amazing work, and, and I know the people there, and they figure out lots of things on their own. But the tragedy yeah. is, I mean, not maybe, maybe not, I'm not sure what's the right word. The tragedy or the unfortunate thing is, it's a small part of Alibaba. In terms of resources, in terms of uh, executives, in terms of uh, exec- in terms of sort of leadership support, I mean, they don't get as much as Taobao or Timo. So, 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 which which actually limits their growth. And um, um, and, and in a way, maybe it's similar to Lazada, but but I think even Lazada get, get, gets more attention within Alibaba compared to AliExpress. So, 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 plenty of whatever that that is there. Um, I think Ali, AliExpress team has been has been doing phenomenal work. So, so, so Shopee looking at this opportunity, saying that hey, um, AliExpress of Wabiz has this handicap, and uh, Allegro, uh, Amazon have been dealing with Chinese sellers, but uh, but I mean, you just look at all the comments in China about these platforms. Um, so, so, so obviously they have this opportunity, and and the other competitors are all those, um, you know, B two C sites and apps that that, that that are coming out of China, uh, as far as the cross border segment is concerned. Um, I think Shopee is much stronger than those guys. So, 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 so that part is no doubt. Um, you you mentioned about um, the guy running Poland is from Malaysia. The guy running Brazil is from Vietnam. The guy running Mexico now used to be uh, the guy uh, handling the cross border in China. So he he yeah, moved there. He packed, in China. Yeah, he, he moved there a couple of months ago, and, uh, and and yeah, it's it's pretty. Um, I think it's pretty um, interesting that they are sending all these executives to these new markets, um, bringing their know-how, and also trying. I mean, what is interesting to see is that whether these guys are able to build up a a local management team um, relatively quickly, um, because mm. so far they have been doing that better than Amazon, better than Alibaba, building up local teams. But now they are dealing with markets where, um, I mean. If you look at Southeast Asia, so they already had lots of people working for Garena for the. Um, I mean, uh, when they launched Shopee, so so they have the pool of talent they could readily tap tap into, and here is slightly different. I would argue that for markets like um, like Poland and Europe, it would be easier. We go to relatively more mature markets, you can use, more easily find people. Uh, Latin America might be a little bit more difficult, but from what I heard from um, friends who have been running e-commerce related businesses from China. But based in Brazil, uh, they, they they are pretty amazed. I mean, I mean, a few people are telling me that companies like Shopee, like JNT, like Lala Move, like TikTok, they are very different from other Chinese companies. I mean, sorry, these are not some of them are not Chinese companies. JNT positions itself as an Indonesian company, but but these companies are different from Chinese companies uh, when they manage um, global talent, when they manage local teams. They are they are obviously doing much better job. So so having Taken whatever the China has to offer, and grew in their first business in the in a diverse environment in Southeast Asia. I think helps them sort of have this natural whatever gene culture of managing multinational businesses. They are having a, a pretty good advantage, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if a few years later they go and challenge Amazon directly. But I think that's not their focus now, and that should not be their focus now. Yeah, and I'll add some final points to this. Um, I do like I do like Dave's point by saying that there, there is somewhat of a moral hazard if they don't figure out. Well, I, I don't know. I haven't looked into the PNL what, what their core like. What's bringing in the cash? As long as that part of the company is healthy and can support 
whatever, you know, the printing money, the sentiment is fine. You know, it makes sense. And I think as long as the expansion sticks to their lanes, like Andrew pointed out, it's, it's almost like an arbitrage, you know, opportunity where that if, if their product fits, you know, there's a product market fit in these markets and no one else is tacking it, it's, it will come down to speed and execution. And, and you can think of it also in terms of like, you know, Peter Thiel's, um, four characteristics of monopolies, right? I, and I think one of the biggest advantages they have where operating in their lanes is they know how to do the branding part well, right? So they, they like, you know, one of the things in Southeast Asia, why they're able to dominate so well is just like, they, they really hit the marketing much better than everyone else, right? Just the, the awareness was huge. And I think they have that as a brand and a moat, right? So, and you think about the, the network effects, that's very simple, you know, uh, mark, marketplace 101, right? You know, it's just about assortment and price. And I think, well, Amazon knows how to do that well, you know, in terms of price. And then all these all these emerging markets, price and assortment are going to be is what's going to matter. But, you know, if if no one is doing it faster, I think that it's a good opportunity for them to do that um, in terms of yeah, proprietary technology. That, that's a question if they could bake it in like the Amazon ecosystem, you know, having their own like algorithm and ranking SEO and all these kind of things that kind of really make the magic of Amazon work under the hood. Um, so mm. so I think yeah, it, it it does make sense. But there, there is still some of the moral hazard that, you know, if you know, macro and shift a little bit, you know, it could spell trouble for them. Uh, yep. They really need to build that foundation. Uh, but but mm -hmm. the, I think the, you know, the idea for timing wise now, it, if they stick to those lanes, man, they could dominate in them and that could convert to, to the value later on. It's just like, you know, when Amazon was starting out, I says they're not profitable for so many years. It, it could turn up to these yeah. situations where it's something material that they're building. And, and I think that my last point is the expansion. It, it's an extension of the rocket DNA, man. Like you, you could take the guy out of the rocket, but you can't, you know, kind of take the rocket out of the guy. They, they really yeah. know how to do that, man. It's, it's like really, totally you know, textbook Ollie 101. So yeah. they've done it better than rocket. Can, can I yes, just quickly uh, respond to, to a few things? So, so sure. first, first, uh, you know, I I, I read I take back AliExpress's shit. You're right, Jangan. <laughs> that being said, that being said, let me explain what I mean by that, and it actually connects very strongly with what Alex just said, right? Yeah. I think it's not just about price. It's it's price x assortment x speed. That's e-commerce. I want the cheapest yeah, stuff basically. in the fastest time, and I want everything. Right, yeah. and and I think um, you know Amazon realized this, which is why you know sixty percent of their sales now comes from marketplace, and that's why you have this whole business model with aggregators, etc. Right, and I think um, I think the the what what Shopee does really well is it's able to take cross border and then localize it really quick, right? And then it creates also opportunities for B two B two C, right? So you have all these small merchants who then buy via Shopee, uh, which which actually happens in China a lot. People buy on um, you know one six eight eight com or or Alibaba com and then sell it on Taobao and make a bit of a margin with that. So they create all these little micro entrepreneurs, right? So Shopee is actually replicating a lot of that that success and structure. And so number one. Number two is like they're able to speed it down instead of AliExpress, I think, has been complacent with time. If you look at uh, Eastern Europe, it takes almost two weeks for them to get it uh, for CB. Um, with, with Shopee, there's like a massive focus to try to reduce that time down and then like also create this impression that's almost local, right? I think in Southeast Asia, what Lazada cracked first and then they copied really well was this idea of like creating free trade zones via partnerships with the government that actually allows cross-border to almost get the three days. If you figure out what the SKUs that sell really fast, you can park it in a warehouse and if it doesn't get sold, you, you end up um, selling that from these warehouses, right? So this is where I think AliExpress hasn't been doing really well, and these guys are killing it. Sorry, Alex, it's just two other things. Um, this idea of expansion in new regions, right? Uh, I still remember being in Lazada and being freaked out that Amazon was sending people to Singapore. To I remember scout. that, yeah. <laughs> 
and and I remember shitting in my pants because like they were these behemoth who knew e-commerce way more than us, right? And then yeah. they launched with Prime, and it wasn't like Amazon. It was like it was literally like five kilometer radius, three thousand SKUs, and like it was like this is it. Like after that you know four year anxiety like this was your big launch and where are you in southeast asia today they're not there shopee on the other hand i remember and you know we will not say how i saw this but like i remember looking <laughs> at their at their mobile acquisition fund. so at this point we were a desktop company right and we were trying to figure out mobile and you know i i saw their mobile funnel with this like you know 200 line excel that had like very specifically how they were acquiring by channel and like it freaked me out. They just knew things about how to move people from one step to another, from one day to another, from like, you know, from one scroll to another on an app. Their knowledge about how to get people hooked onto a mobile app is incredible. And their ability to then take that to any app, like I like they will just do this across apps. Like just knowing how to get people to use mobile apps and build. Hey, that's their gaming roots, probably, right? Yeah, it's gaming. Yeah, yeah, plus yeah, also yeah. rocket. Gaming. All gaming and like the, just the Correct. whole detail attention focus funnel. And and one and one last little piece of like juicy nuggets, right? This idea of localization, and I, I think like you know, Alex, you mentioned this before, like Rocket tried to do it in Southeast Asia. If you think about it, right? These guys, Yagang, Forest, none of them are from Southeast Asia. They're Chinese transports to Singapore. Obviously, they've been there for a while, but they've managed to build a, a great group of, uh, what's the word again? Lieutenants. A great group of lieutenants, <laughs> right? From Southeast Asia. And I think th I think they have a really good culture on teaching them how to get these next group of generals. Um, and on top of that, right, I actually do think they have a massive mindset on partnership. So, so. What I hear is, I don't know how true this is, is that actually the leaders of Shopee have been spending a lot of time in Latam, personally. Like, some of them mm -hmm. are migrating there. Forrest, I, I don't know how true this is, but there's rumor on the street that Forrest bought a TV station in Brazil, right? And it has nothing to do with the sea. It has nothing to do with the sea business, right? In Colombia and Brazil, the two biggest events on Free Fire globally, uh, sorry, I think, yeah, Colombia and Brazil, was with two of the largest music artists and DJs of these markets, right? Mm -hmm. They have this ambition to be like the metaverse player and they've like, they're localizing like mad, right? They're working with local artists, local football players. They they really know how to like localize in ways that these, like, it's like global brand, local execution. And they're doing it better than anyone else. Can I have some quick points? Sorry. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, so first we, we mentioned about price, assortment and speed. Uh, in China, I mean, we talk about e-commerce value proposition. It's, it's. Uh, I mean, we have this uh, this catchphrase for things. Do quite how shit, which which translates to speed. Uh, sorry, assortment, speed, uh, quality, and price. So basically, uh, each e-commerce player is trying to satisfy two or three of them. I mean, it's impossible to to do all four of them. And this mantra came from the communist leaders uh, in the past. They said, "Okay, how we should serve <laughs> the people." And it's the four things I mean, people are looking for. And, and now you translate this into the four things consumers are looking for. It's the same. Uh, uh, second quick so, thing. Sorry, second quick thing. Uh, AliExpress, um, their positioning in Alibaba was always meant to be cross-border. So they work with service providers. Shopee, when they enter a market, they try to be a local e-commerce platform, So which is different. I mean, the way they, 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 they are, they are they're able to control the whole experience the the the, the customs the the, the the warehouses etc is very different uh one more thing um i think i think moving forwards uh 
e-commerce competition in emerging markets, we will see probably a, a race between shop, I mean, C Group and uh, TikTok. So that's going to be quite interesting. That opens to, to, to a big point. Uh, okay, one last point for me. I think um, people like Yegan or Forrest will probably need to buy planes soon, buy airplanes very soon. They, they have. They, they have. have. They would have then, it, right? Okay, then, cool, cool, cool. Then, then, then. No, no, they're not. That's why they're, that's why they're going to Brazil. Like, I, if, as what I understand it, you know. They can't rely on commercial commercial airlines uh, if they want to manage so many yeah. markets and they where, like to be on the market. Where do you think that 6.5 billion is going? Yeah. Planes. Yeah. Whole air fleet. Okay, can I get Jangan to explain TikTok's dominance? Jangan, you don't get to. Oh, wait, 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 no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's a separate topic. It. We'll jump into that's it later. Separate topic. That's yeah. a separate topic. So I'll, I want to okay. do. I want to say two final things for me. So mm. the reason why the Chinese are going to win in e-commerce is because the fundamentals of communism align with the fundamentals of e-commerce. Essentially, <laughs> that's that's one. Uh, my my second point would be then uh, the way I would look at it then is like e-commerce is going to be entering a whole new interesting phase. Explain and, explain your first emphasis. No, 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 explain that. What do you mean? What he said was he said that was Jiang said by right? speed assortment and whatever is what the communists said in the values. That's exactly how to build e-commerce, right? I, I think I think he missed he missed the word equality and he dropped the e and called it quality. No, it was quality. Uh, it was quality. I, potato, potato. <laughs> I think it was assortment, speed, equality, and price. And then like, Jiang was like quality. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean yeah, e. um, equality is a French concept, just as a communism is a German concept. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so and then my, my final point is like, I, I think that what Amazon is really good at is kind of this bottom-up approach. And the reason why they didn't make this huge splash is because they like to collect data first. And they will, they're going to focus on the areas where they could probably win uh, more quickly. And, and I think that it's, if it's not clear to them, they, they're not going to do this you know, top-down approach that, that kind of we see in emerging markets. So it's just two very different strategies. I, I think you've got to see in the long term of which one's going to play out, right? So it's bottom-up versus top-down, and both have been able to pull it off. It just... Top down is more flashy, makes bigger splash. You get more market share upfront, but the question is long term value sustainability. You know, and I think that's what Amazon's been able to prove over time. Um, so it's 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 still hard to see, you know see where this goes. But like you know, if they get dominance faster and the the moats are too big, maybe Amazon can't ship away at that long term. But you know, I think it still goes down to the four fundamentals. Um, shall we move on, guys, or uh, yep. should we go to TikTok, or do you want to do a carousel? Mm, let's do TikTok. Junk on top of TikTok. So. Let's 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 move on to TikTok. TikTok first, Jangan. Juicy, juicy. I want to hear more okay, about TikTok. Fine. All right. Explain your comments. Let me preempt it, right? So uh, TikTok doing e-commerce. Uh, it's been in the media lately. Uh, the narrative is that this is very, very early stages of monetization for TikTok. Um, you know, a lot of the articles I've read was alluding that TikTok needs to avoid what happened to Vine, you know, of creators moving to YouTube and other platforms. And the way they're looking at monetization of their current user base is looking at e-commerce, right? And I think Douyin, or Tom, the pronunciation, right? They, uh, in early 2020 or last year, they were able to make $70, $70 million from e-commerce sales alone. Uh, you know, it's, so the question is, you know, how can they do this with easy, low friction while capturing the value to avoid, you know, not really, it's just not working out. So Jangan, what was, can you help explain your comments earlier? Uh, I think Vine's very different, right? I mean, they 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 didn't get the video part exactly right compared to TikTok. So, um, but but, yeah. but 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 YouTube is going to. I mean, if you see what was what was happening to YouTube, they are doing the short and uh, they are doing live streaming as well. So 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 on the surface, you see that YouTube and even Facebook is moving to to certain territories that TikTok has been doing, but. Um, but TikTok in China has been formidable. So so they 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 have been doing e-commerce. 
uh, for a while. And in, in the beginning, people would brush it off saying that, oh, I just, um, people watch shows sort of impulse buying and because some celebrity said, okay, this is good and people will buy it. Um, I, I didn't pay much attention to that. I mean, last year, but this year you see uh, all the splashes that TikTok has been has been making. Right, the first um, um, there's a there's a saying that uh, I mean, you 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 eventually overtake uh, Timo in terms of GMV either this year or next year. So if they can do that, it's going to be crazy. And second is my mom started to buy things on Douyin, and uh, it's 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 just and they did the calculation. I mean, you, you just. Every morning you you wake up uh, and do you open up your Taobao or do you open up your TikTok or, or doing whatever? So, mm. so 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 my yeah. mom who who used to I mean who still who who still does it I mean once in a while uh, go to the supermarket which is next uh, to, to 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 my estate uh, no, not my estate the estate we're living in so um, Ooh, your estate when you, when you say estate yeah. he said estate so, so British, know, British have estate have or like uh, French countryside estate uh, how how many people plant tea for you in this estate tell us yeah. more do you also have a motel Jungan because we can be motel friends yeah <laughs> 20 rooms he has 20 houses dude anyway across the road there's there's a big market where she used to get all the uh, agricultural produce uh, but for the past few months, uh, she has only been buying that on two platforms, Pindodo and uh, and Douyin. So, wow. so, so, so both are gamified versions of or gamified or social versions of uh, of e-commerce. But of course, both are operating in different ways. Um, but the thing about Douyin is crazy is that uh, a friend of mine also invested in in a company which sells this kind of uh, agricultural produce uh, through live streaming on Douyin, and that lady. Only does live streaming from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. And why? Because mm. that's when um, uh, the, the sort of mid-aged and, uh, and old ladies in China wake up and uh, yeah, before, market. before they go to work or before they go to meet, meet their friends, right? I mean, you have the, the, this time yeah. window. And, uh, and, and the calculation is that people are spending much, much more time on, t- on TikTok or Douyin compared to what they do at Taobao. So, so theoretically, if you, if you convert one-tenth of that time into browsing for e-commerce and one-tenth of that browsing for e-commerce time into buying. Uh, we can still work out that the math that people are still spending much more time um, buying things on, t- uh, on TikTok or doing compared to Taobao. And, and, and you look at whole Alibaba strategy in China in the past few years, they have been acquiring companies, they have been, um, they've been investing in companies uh, with, with one important purpose is to secure customer traffic. Because it doesn't have social, it doesn't have this, this natural way that that, mm, that, that that customers will just 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 come to you. Come to it. Um, yeah. And Tencent has tried that, um, but for whatever reason, they couldn't get it to work. So, so 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 TikTok is at a naturally interesting position where they they are they're relatively young and uh, they have been doing this aggressively. They are showing results, and 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 they started that in Indonesia. So earlier this year when they said that okay they they started the shopping cart which links to Shopee. Um and people say oh okay that's just a small attempt and stuff. But now you look look at Indonesia you can you, you can do the whole shopping experience on TikTok. And, yeah. And, and and all the e-commerce shopping I mean people complain about I mean being impulsed and stuff but I think most most of the shopping activities or, or most frequent shopping activities are impulse. Mm. L- let me let me ask a question. Do, do you guys think I, I personally anecdotally feel that social e-commerce is a very Asian thing? Like I think the informal market of like you know people influencers selling stuff through social media has been huge in 
just for the longest time in Asia, right? Like all these small markets. I don't know. Do you, in the West, do you feel like that's not really the case? And because like all these big players, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, they haven't been able to really do that. So is this going to be a regional difference kind of thing? Uh, or do you think that everything's going to converge to social e-commerce eventually now? Well, I, I think this is like one of these things where, yeah, I think it's one of these things where um, if you're thinking about it in the perspective of social e-commerce, just that, that phrase where basically, you know, um, less technologically or less advanced societies skip the intermediary step in between. Right. So, for example, like like um, in China, people basically skip credit cards. They just went from cash to digital wallets directly. Right. And that's what yeah. social e-commerce social e is. Right. And so to answer your specific question, Alex, is I think this idea of shopping as entertainment has actually existed in the West in a long time. I mean, home shopping, as far as I, remember, as I know, was invented in America. Like this idea, like, you know, I'm American, you're American, Alex, but like, you know, like at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, after all the uh, like main broadcast channels go off, it would just be from like 11, 8, 11 p.m. to like 5 a.m., just infomercials of like what, whatever, right? So, so this, this concept of like, melding the two of like uh, content and, and the commerce has existed in the West. It's not in exactly in the same form. Uh, and I think that's just mostly a function because of like, again, like there's that step in between where, you know, it, it's not like a one step, two step function. It's like a one step, like five step function, but we'll, we'll get there um, eventually. Mm. Right. And, and I think like, you, you see this also, uh, we, we talked about this like a few, few months ago when we were doing our podcast, is I, I have this theory that like basically in the West, all websites start off, or all digital properties start off as either uh, a content function or a commerce function, right? And slowly as um, you know, the ecosystem matures and develops, those two things will converge closer and closer together until we do get something that's similar to what we see um, in, in the PRC or in Asia. Yeah. I had one other point also about, about this and then I'll let Andrew go. So for me, uh, looking at this story, and I'm looking at it from the TikTok perspective, not from the Douyin perspective, it's not actually a story so much about TikTok in the United States. It's a question about Shopify, right? So, so let me just let me, who do you think, who do you think Amazon's okay. biggest international competitor outside of China is? Or sorry, let me rephrase this. Who do you think Amazon's like biggest competitor in the U.S. is in e-commerce? I mean, I guess it's Shopify. I guess it's, yeah, it's Shopify. It, was, it was a bad rhetorical question. It's, it's, yeah, it's Shopify, Shopify, right? Yeah, said, yeah. It, it, I said you. Yeah, it, yeah I, I led you into it. So just give, me, give you guys. Yeah, bam. So give, to give us some context, right? So e, Walmart e-commerce in twenty, their most recent fiscal year, their entire e-commerce business did. Uh, I think like 43 billion um, US dollars in sales, yeah. right? Uh, do you want to yeah. guess how much Shopify's GMV was in Q2 2021 alone? More than 43 billion, 50 billion? 42.2, 42. They did in one quarter of Q2. Wow, they comparable. They're the same size as a very common. No, but that's, but that's though, right? but this is Walmart's entire year. That's their annual online sales. This is just oh, Shopify's Q2. Oh, yeah. So, so Shopify in just Q2 2021 did as much GMV as Walmart did in all of their fiscal year, right? And so what I'm trying to get at is this. So this deal that um, TikTok and Shopify, so, so the deal actually is this, right? So basically what it's allowing is it's allowing TikTok influencers to set up like little um, homepages 
within their TikTok um, uh, account. And then ultimately, if you click on it or whatever, that leads you to a Shopify page and then the transaction, the fulfillment and all the, all that stuff happens on the Shopify end. Shopify actually did the exact same deal with Facebook uh, in May of 2020. So basically people that are using Instagram, you could shut up, uh, shut up, sorry, set up uh, like a little Instagram shopping page and that was linked to Shopify and it's the exact same function, right? So so really for me, what this is, it's like sort of like the anti-Amazon alliance in the US. You think about like how e-commerce has evolved. So an interesting stat is basically half of all online searches now in the US for um, shopping start on Amazon. So Amazon has sort of like monopolized the entire stack, right? So the search starts on Amazon, the actual like browsing and the products on Amazon, the payment happens on Amazon and the fulfillment and everything thereafter, it's, it's a completely integrated stack, right? And so the the so how do you compete with that? So the, the only way you can really compete with that is like modularization. So Shopify has been going around and making these different deals and acquiring these different companies to sort of compete with that. They have a deal with Facebook, they have a deal with Google, they have this deal with TikTok. They're actually a pretty big shareholder in Stripe, uh, and Stripe is also their payment partner for all of their um, both on-platform and third-party platform uh, solutions. They actually just opened uh, Shop Pay to Facebook and Google merchants. And also Shopify has their own fulfillment uh, business or service now as well, right? So for me, it's about like Shopify going around and sort of like uh, Voltroning together this like anti-Amazon engine to to compete. So that, that's my take on it. Go, Andrew. Yeah. So so I think there's a, there's two things, right? One one is to what Jiangan said. It's about creating a lifestyle space. Um, and you see with e-commerce, the problem is like people need to be reminded to buy or people need to think about buying something before they open up the app, right? And what Doyin and TikTok really do really well is people open them up as social spaces. I'm just going to give you an anecdote from uh, a time that uh, we didn't have social e-commerce in, in, in Southeast Asia yet. I was uh, taking a grab in Bangkok, got into a car, I asked the grab driver, does she use Lazada? Because it used to be my favorite question with every person I used to meet and harass them and try to find out why they liked it or why they didn't like it. And so I asked her, um, where does she do her online shopping? And she's like, oh, I just buy on Facebook Marketplace. And this both shocked me and and like kind of annoyed me because they had just launched like three months ago. And I was like, wait, you don't buy on Lazada, but you buy on Facebook Marketplace. Why? And she's like, oh, I need to chat with the uh, seller. I want to see their face and their profile and to see if they tr if i trust them right and i was like wow that's really interesting like because in the west what happens is people just use search they look at reviews they're like all right that's good for me i'm gonna buy whereas in southeast asia i think because yeah. you know going to jangan's uh quadrifecta of assortment speed price and quality right quality, quality. is always the one we compromise quality. on we're like you know if it's yeah, quality slash equality, right? So if, if it's counterfeit, if it's low quality, you know, deal with it, right? Uh, and so because of that, I think in emerging markets, like video, uh, audio, chat, social has become a huge way to overcome the chasm of trust, right? So if I see a face on it, if, if that person seems relatable to me, then it's more likely I'm going to buy on them. And that's why the, the conversion rate on these social channels has been incredible. I launched the, the live stream on Lazada and it was like, it's still the fastest growing channel for, for e-commerce sales in Southeast Asia. And the reason why we did it was because WhatsApp and Instagram accounted for, according to like my team's back calculation, almost 30 to 35% of all e-commerce transactions in Southeast Asia. This was in 2017, right? And, and I wouldn't be surprised if that proportion has still maintained and hasn't even been taken over by Shopee and Lazada. 
right? So a lot of people still choose to pay. And that's why like every single payment player, you know, is launching like pay links and these other tools to capitalize on um, people using WhatsApp and Instagram as payment channels, right? So I think like mm-hmm. social as a whole is going to grow and like the, the, but like my caveat when I was in Lazada is like, it was hard to see people coming to Lazada for the social experience, but it was quite easy to see people going to a social channel to try to get the e-commerce experience. That's like, has a higher chance of success, right? Um, the, the, the trick is like though, how do you not get it to be too salesy? Because if it becomes too salesy and you keep pushing product in front of people's faces, they might drop out, right? And so this is where I think like the TikTok strategy may need to, broaden and expand and like uh, like i think what's going to happen is they're going to start having more verticals uh jump in monetizable verticals so it won't just be like shopping it could become like travel and tourism buy your tickets etc so you have these influencers that you know go to really cool places mm-hmm. and then we'll push yeah. you stuff right like so in, in in china how it works is like so we've, we've talked about this before right alibaba is the third largest advertiser in um in China, right? Uh, or the, the, the third largest recipient of online ad X. And, and the biggest chunk of that comes from a program called P4P. Now, how P4P works is this, right? So another an anecdote and one of the things that blew my mind when, when we first worked with Alibaba, I remember going to a meeting with them and we were trying to figure out what their customer acquisition costs for certain channels were against some of ours. We'd just been acquired. We wanted to adjust to the group company. And... Um, we had this meeting and they did not understand what our questions meant. Uh, and, you know, today it's, it's, it's common knowledge. Like I thought I was lost in translation and it was like a Mandarin English thing. But and today it's common knowledge that you take cost centers and turn them into revenue centers. And you can do that across every single line on your cost, right? This is what Amazon does. But to me back then, this was a complete new concept. I was like, they were confused because my cost center was their revenue center, Right. And so for them, the CAC on affiliate channels was a revenue line. So the way it works is this, right? They have 40,000 merchants or, you know, 40 million merchants. These merchants can advertise on publishers, right? So, and these publishers in China are typically influencers. So it's, it's guys on Weibo, on, 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 on WeChat, on all these different social platforms. And for every product that they sell, they get a cost per sale. So a commission is paid out to the influencers that sell that item. Alibaba makes a percentage of that sales that percentage is really tiny it's one to two percent it's almost like a payment charge right but that forms the bulk of alibaba's like uh, uh revenues from from adex right and so this is very interesting because if you look at what tiktok is doing they're basically developing that in-house they're basically saying we have the influencers we don't need you the traffic to go outside and now we can actually just bring the merchants and you do that on the platform and we monetize it now what they can do is like because they are they are sector agnostic and social is the umbrella. They can go, what are the different e-commerce alternatives? Can I can I even do crypto? Could, could there be a guy who talks about stock trading and crypto and then take a cut from it? And I think that's where it's going to get exciting. They're, they're probably going to build like this massive platform to just monetize from different kinds of verticals that are linking into TikTok. And and this is this is exactly what Facebook has been very slow to adapt to. And, and mm. if you think about TikTok and, and, and all the companies in China and they talk about direct conversion, they talk about paying a commission on a conversion. Um, but Facebook, on the other hand, I, I think only recently started um, allowing sort of sort of uh, influencers to, 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 to monetize in ways other than advertising. 
because I mean, the problem with advertising is that uh, I mean, the, the massive amount of medium to small influencers, and how much do we pay them, and and how much do we motivate them? It's it's, it's very hard. I mean, I've seen multiple multiple um, efforts to to build up like micro exchanges, right, with a small. Um, Small influencers, which might have like one, two thousand followers, and how much should you pay them for them to advertise for a product? So TikTok makes all this, all this experience in the app, so they can have a direct, direct conversion, and all, all, all this like, um, all this, um, how, how would I say, all these influencers essentially become dropshippers in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and one more point, uh, which 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 I think Andrew brought up is that uh, the reason why people buy on social is that, uh, um, I mean, Lazada was was I mean the way it was built it was too rational, right? I mean, you have the standard way of sort of displaying the product and mm. stuff. Um, mm. But if you look at the experience in China, and that's exactly how Amazon failed, right? I mean, they they have very rational mm. way people that go and search. And they discover the product, they read reviews. It's, it's all very rational. But people don't trust the sellers. People need to find... I mean, if you look at um, the displays on Taobao now on Shopee, it's, that it's, it's very colorful. It's, I mean, they try to display as much information to consumers as possible so that consumers can trust. And, and that, 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 that's how, how my mom buys things as well, right? She looks at uh, different things and she says, okay, this, this is a seller I can trust. And, and if you look at TikTok... They are bringing it to the, to the next level. I mean, they are not only showing you the images and descriptions; they show you the product in different ways. They, they even tested on they even tested on video. So, mm. so, so, so the, the level of trust that can bring to consumers is different. And I think in a waste um, because um, because the whole commerce is is much more developed. So you have a much mature much more mature way to to establish a trust. I mean, the reviews, the systems, uh, and and also Amazon sort of having. I mean, having this trust of the platform to regulate the sellers on it, which is very different from what you can see in emerging markets. A question for you, Jenga. Do you think Instagram has a shot here at all? Because, I mean, they have a shopping team now. They're really pushing shopping as a, as a channel, right? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the track record of Facebook and associated companies, I, I, I still don't understand why it's so difficult to launch WhatsApp Pay in whichever country they want to launch. I, I think I think with payments it's a regulatory thing, and because they're so big, and and the way, mm. so I think they tried to go it's like uh, moonshot with Luno, right? So they tried to launch this massive, uh, sorry, Libra, right? They tried to launch this massive opportunity of of uh, of a cryptocurrency and a and a global exchange, right? Mm. Um, they were like, let's let's rule the world as opposed to like do tiny stuff, and then that just completely like didn't work out. So. The, the, I, I, I think the, I think that experience made them slow down. That's like that's like a Google trying to build Waymo while Tesla wants to like test L two, right? I mean, correct, <laughs> correct. So I, I'm just gonna say one thing here, right? Which is I I, I realize as, as we're having this conversation that being a native in whatever medium you plan to launch in is extremely important. So so Instagram yeah. I think is going to find it very difficult to move away from the um, uh, what you may call it the, the 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 pictures as a primary format you still like when you when you load it up it's going to be pictures and like stories is, is like another segment right so story still takes a very small percentage of screen real estate I think as a company it's very hard for you to move into that whereas TikTok started as this native video app built on 5g built on phones that were powerful enough to support scroll to get videos right and and I think 
the one company to watch here, which I'm thinking, like I, I used to poo-poo them, but now I'm thinking very strongly about them, is Snap, right? I think, I think AR is, I mean, look, I think we, we like anyone who was in the 90s who didn't see smartphones coming, like like some some th- advancements are obvious they're going to happen whether you like it or not and for me like in the next 10 years we're seeing ar glasses right mixed reality glasses that can overlay graphics on it snap and facebook facebook just launched their glasses with with ray-ban last week snaps had their glasses for a while snaps investing very heavily they, they have a couple of like e-commerce partnerships and i think like what we're going to see that next stage is like, like if that's where TikTok loses out. If they're not able to adapt very quickly and get into this new universe, metaverse, AR verse that's being created, that's where it's going to be a struggle. So we used to have this intern uh, from France, but of a North African descent, and uh, and uh, he's apparently connected to all this like. I wouldn't say underworld, but this this part of society which is large enough, but kind of marginalized. Nobody talks about about them in media, and. That, but that was like two years ago. He was telling me that everyone was buying and selling on Snap, for the reason is that for the for the reason that Snap. I mean, simple reasons, right? I mean, Snap. We take a screenshot. It, it tells the other party that you are taking a screenshot. He said we try to do this kind of this kind of trades where people don't trust each other, and these mechanisms which help you build a trust will facilitate transactions. Yeah. Well, he should use Telegram, bro. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Nice. Alex, <laughs> do you want to, let's move. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had one final comment. I, I think your your story about the the you know the Bangkok girl who sold on uh, Marketplace is interesting because I, I, I've noticed that if you want to look at it from a very localized position, fashion is very fragmented in Southeast Asia, and I think the reason why you you kind of saw them doing that, especially Thailand. Thailand is just well known for having just cheap. Frag, you know, retail fast fashion, and uh, it's it's it's. You could even see like my past few interns. They have really successful businesses that grown over the years, where they they can just support their own lifestyle just by selling clothing by uploading on Instagram, right? So it's, I think it's a very regional thing, mm. you know, from a bottom up perspective that 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 these kind of this kind of behavior exists. Um, so like I, like I don't I don't know if it's the same thing in the U.S. where you have all these influencers who sell their clothes. Maybe maybe, maybe this I don't know, but like I, I saw that you know from Malaysia to Thailand, and, and these girls actually would import all the clothes from Thailand if they were doing this in Malaysia, right? So it's just very fascinating. Uh, but uh, fi- final topic, um, we are talking about Carousel. Carousel raised a hundred million dollars, one point uh, one billion dollar valuation. Uh, their last round was in two thousand eighteen, eighty five million dollars Series C. Uh, I found the PR narrative very interesting. They are using the money to uh, buy to buy companies, right? To to acquire companies, and that's not really growth money. So, um, what what is your guys' take on this current race? I I I think what we just talked about about C about uh, about uh, TikTok. And this uh, this is all the stuff that uh, that Carousel could have done at least part of it, but uh, have not done. So. Um, so, so, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they started as a, um, as, as a place where people can sell, use, use stuff, right? I mean, um, people love it. I mean, I, I, I use it regularly, right? I mean, just, just put things that I don't want, put there. If somebody wants, we'll take it. But, but, but to build a, to build a viable business out of that, um, I, I mean, essentially they have to go a few routes, right? I mean, either the C2C route or, or, or moving to sort of more viable segments of classified, which is auto and uh, and a property. But auto property, you have players there, and um, 
And I think what Carousel has, has, has been doing in the past few years is that they have been making acquisitions. I think Muda is part of, part of Carousel Group now, and I think they also acquired yep. IOX Philippines. Mm-hmm. So, yep. so, 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 so they are trying to consolidate into a classified group. Well, as I think the classified as business model in Southeast Asia is, 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 is moving towards, um, I mean, general classified. It's moving towards C2C commerce. It's moving towards I mean, all this like TikTok and, and, uh, and Shopee stuff. Um, I, 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 I don't know how a, a secondhand marketplace for general stuff could be viable. I mean, in China, you have this kind of marketplaces, but they are all affiliated to big groups. I, I don't, ha- I don't see any sort of independent players, uh, making a vi- I mean, making a sort of significant and viable presence. I'm not, I'm not sure what you guys think. Yeah. So, so interestingly enough, right, the business model is actually an incredible business model if you look at their counterparts in established markets. So if you look at Japan, uh, so surprising enough, the US is the only one where Craigslist is like the, the standout, right? Like, but in every other market, in Europe, in Western Europe, in, in Japan, they are clear players. And, and that's why you see like who have they raised it from. It's like, a, if I'm not mistaken, it's a Japanese PE fund. Right, um, a Korean, or a South Korean, Korean fund. So Korean PE fund. Yeah, there you go. So in STIC in East Asia, STIC. There you go. In East Asia and Western Europe, these kinds of business uh, businesses are actually incredibly profitable, and they do really well. And if you think about why they're profitable, right? They compared to C to C e-commerce marketplace or large B2C e-commerce marketplace, the amount of overheads required to run this is extremely low. You basically create a platform. It's on uh, the cloud, so you have load balancers that allow it to just expand for as much as you need. There's no big campaigns and sales, so there's no massive like uplift in, in tech. So the tech cost is relatively like low, right? The number of teams running this, like I, I remember looking at a European player that had 20 people running a several several billion dollar GMB business, right? So you can have like really small teams running this. This is completely automated. You create tools for people to post their stuff up, and and then you do it. The issue is, can you create enough revenue? And and really, there's like only a few sources of revenue. Number one, it's advertising. Number two, it's payments. Uh, and then number three, it's protection, right? So it's all these insurance and other kinds of services that you have that, that create kinds of uh, protection for people. Um, protection is just, you know, an associate insurance sales model you get an insurer to provide some kind of protection and then you get 20 cents or 30 cents for everything so so what i like about this model is it's like in terms of like dave's um, you know tech versus tech enable it's actually a tech business right it's really a software layer on transactions that exist in the real world and you're taking these transactions and consolidating them at a much much larger scale so what i like about this business is it really is like you can do it with very low OPEX, you can do it with very low CAPEX, and you can just like, in, in terms of it being a software switch, it's incredible, right? Um, the issues are, number one, Southeast Asia, those ways of making money are actually not very healthy, right? Like not a lot of people want to advertise, and not a lot of people want to pay for protection, not a lot of people want to also pay for payments, right? So as a result, like your monetization ability is a bit limited. This is issue number one. Number two is the competitive space is getting incredibly tight. As as Jangan mentioned, you know, property and cars, there are specific platforms that do that, like Carson's getting their 1.1B valuation as well. And there's a whole bunch of other players that are doing the same thing, Caro in Singapore, etc. OLX is in the property space. So they are playing a very tiny niche, which is like, you know, small C2C products, right? The problem is, 
Facebook is moving this place. TikTok is moving this place as well. And so it's becoming incredibly tight. Uh, I still think if you look at the numbers, I don't know what their specific revenue numbers are. I think there's a space for a billion dollar company doing this. So I don't think like it's, this is like complete hooky. And in fact, I, like I, I would love to see the numbers when it does come out. But if, if it's like anything in Eastern Europe or or, or East uh, sorry Western Europe or East Asia where you're doing 20 plus x EBITDA margins, then it's a healthy as hell business, right? I would assume they probably have half of that kind of EBITDA margin, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a deeply profitable business. Well, I, I'm yeah. I'm actually glad you brought um, this up, Andrew. Did, did you want to say Yeah, sorry. Do you have a, is there a delay on my side? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, sorry. No, I mean, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually glad you you brought brought up that point of the business, Andrew. Like, because for me, I dug into the the like sort of the, the numbers behind uh, Carousel. I mean, what I could find, obviously, because it's a private company and there there's not a lot of press on them. Um, but like to me, this deal doesn't make sense <laughs> whatsoever, right? So I, I I agree with you. Andrew, in your point, I, I think you're correct that like, you know, a, a classified business theoretically should be like an incredibly profitable business, right? I, I think like Craigslist only has 50 employees and they're doing, uh, I think like last I checked, like 3 billion in revenue or, or something like that, right? So that that's an incredibly um, efficient business. So I did a little bit of background uh, research. Uh, and so the, the most recent stats I could find on Carousel was during their 2019 raise. So uh, during 2019 raise, we were valued at 900 million. Uh, I think it was also another Korean investor, right? And at that time, they were doing 15.7 million in revenue uh, and losing 39.4 million uh, per year, right? And in terms of sort of like number of staff they had, they had like 500 people uh, on staff. So I just, it, to me, I, I'm just, I, I'm, you know, not to be like overly critical or, or maybe reductive, but I just have no idea what they're doing over there. And so this valuation, uh, unless their numbers have changed substantially, just doesn't really make sense to me. Um, I apologize if I'm a little bit absent. Andrew, your partner came over here and is hogging all the Wi-Fi bandwidth and I'm a little bit triggered, but uh, <laughs> but uh, okay. This this explains why my Wi-Fi is so good today. <laughs> well, 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 one of us has to pick my partner, and I'm glad yeah. it's you. <laughs> I'm trying to. I mean, I have time, so I think I can handle it. But it's like it's been really hard to hear you guys, and so I, I apologize. I apologize if I missed some of the points, but uh, I'll take a stab at this. Um, Carousel was like you know they they were really tooted to be really big early in the days, you know, um, I, I think that they hit on a really good niche that got a lot of traction organically and they kind of just rode that. And yeah, you're, you're kind of right. This is, this is technological product layer, but essentially what they've replicated was just a modern version of the classifieds. And if you see their current acquisitions that they have, the subsidiaries, it's all classifieds, right? Mm -hmm. um, not to say, I kind of disagree that you can't make a profitable business out of this. Like Muda, which Carousel bought, has been massively profitable with a huge niche in Malaysia for a long time. But is it going to be a massive, you know, $100 million business? Pro probably not, but it can be profitable, right? It has this kind of natural, it's kind of like an eBay, right? So, but what this is, is like, you know, they put this kind of tech layer on it and they say like, I do AI. So it got a lot of money and big valuations, but it hasn't lived up to it. And I think word on the street early days was when I talked to all the VCs around this was that the founders got the money, they got to scale, 
but they, you know, they had to put on their big boy pants to figure out how to monetize them and get a real business out of it. But they were kind of struggling with that. And that that was the rumor on the street. I, I don't know how true that is. And if you look at the current raise and what they're doing, it just seems like they hadn't figured it out. And I think one of the lessons to learn here is that you know there there is some importance of knowing or having the clarity of how you want to monetize, even if you're not going to do it, even if it's, you know, a freemium strategy up front or, you know, you're going to do it later on, but you need to understand how the economics are going to work down to, you know, long term. Uh, it sounds like they just build a, you know, a pretty decent product. You know, I use it a lot, but as a dumping ground, you know, I don't get much value other than, you know, some money back and they don't really take advantage of that even. So um, th they think they should have figured out how to monetize earlier with some, you know, some testing and figured it out. And then, you know, they have a clear narrative on what they're going to do with the money and how to actually grow it. So I, I, that's, that's my take of it. And it, it alludes to a bigger, broader discussion on CTC in general and this, how that's going to play out. And I think we touched upon it with, you know, TikTok and all those things like people are coming into that and they have better problem machines. And they could just suck up the space, you know, with better, better tech and better you know, execution at the end of the day. So they're, they're in a very precarious pos you know, position and they're kind of taking old assets and trying to make some value out of it. So it. Can, can it be a Groupon that's, you know, maybe a billion dollar company, but maybe that's the, the, the limit of it at the end of the day, right? So that's my take. You, you know what this reminds me of, Alex? You've watched su Succession, right? Yes, yes. Remember that episode where Logan goes around buying like cable, like local news stations? Old TV stations. Yeah. Old, TV stations yeah, old TV stations. And like all the kids are like, what the f are you doing? Go around buying old TV stations? That's what this is. Yeah. So what, what, do you think? Don't, don't tell us. Spoil it for us. What happens after he buys the old TV stations? Well, you have to watch the series. So Succession is my favorite series. It's about this old, like, powerful U.S. media family. The patriarch is getting old, and he's trying to pick one of his kids to take over the business. And basically, his like mental facilities are kind of going out the window. And so this is like one of the the, the examples that the kids are using against him. It's like he's pissing away are like political capital because obviously in the u.s you can't buy tv yeah. stations without some regulatory approval right and and you just have to watch the show it's it's but which, I think it's a, which what's, uh, what's an apt analogy which streaming service hbo um hbo hbo, oh, HBO. But what's what's the moral hazard here so is 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 your take on succession that the father shouldn't do it or does the father have a clear insight that children don't know about because it kind of puts you on a fence, right? So what, what was your take? So it's like, it's, it's like, you know, carousel. Is this the right move or is this the wrong move? With the right move, okay, so let me, let's be clear. Like, what is right move, like right move going around acquiring all these like legacy Yeah, correct. Um, legacy classifieds. Is, is there going to be something that comes out of it? And is there some insight? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So fair enough, fair enough. I think, okay, th this is a bit different here, right? Like if I were, say, a PE fund and I go around and I like go and pick up all these old um, uh, uh, classified assets and I try to do some sort of like financial engineering jujitsu to then spin off and do a SPAC and I maybe like make 20%, 30% of my initial money back, that, that's, that's one scenario, right? But I think as like a venture investor, because that's what this is, this is a venture deal, like someone put in yeah. like 100 million USD uh, expecting to get, I, I don't know, what, like 200, 300 million back. Right. And uh, that, yeah. that to me on this kind of company and like what I've seen so far seems like a poor place. Like, I just don't see like any real innovation beyond their initial one, which was basically to do classifieds on mobile, right? Which is fine. That's a, that's a great innovation. But then like yeah. they did that once and then it doesn't do any follow up after that. It, it's, it's almost like uh, trying to rehash Groupon in this day and age. A little bit. Yeah. I think that's a good analogy too. 
I think Alex, we asked the question of right move or wrong move. Uh, I'm not sure the guys who sold this to Carousel, um, whether it's a cash or equity deal. I mean, if it's a cash deal, I would definitely say it's a, it's a right move to sell because, because <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. I mean, because these companies are being around. I mean, they're massively profitable, but uh, but years. you don't you don't see their profit grow, right? I mean, I mean, it's, sure. it's not that in ten years. Are, are they be, are they massively profitable? I think Muda like should Muda's, be profitable. And Muda's Muda's Malaysia business. Oh yeah, no, yeah, the, one, the, the acquisitions that they bought, yes. Yeah, 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 the ones yeah. that they so, bought were profitable. So I guess so, they were, so their so, core so, business wasn't profitable. What they acquired so, was. So basically, what I'm saying is that the guys who are selling these businesses are making the right move. Agree. I, I agree with you, John. Yeah, 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 no, you correct. Know. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. And and also and also, do you guys know the first version of Shopee was a copycat of Carousel? Wouldn't be surprised. Was it? The first, the first know, version no, of Shopee no, was a copycat of Carousel. Can you get that on a record? Can we get that? Fun the fact: Does anybody <laughs> remember Lamido? Yeah, I remember Lamido. Lamido. I do. I do remember Lamido. That was the rock right. right? I I still I still sometimes have nightmares of the day that we shut it down because I remember thinking what a terrible idea it was. Like, essentially, Shopee started from like a Lamido counterpart and then like completely blew it up and went into Lazada direction, right? And Lamido had incredible metrics yeah. in the beginning. Um, yeah. Yeah. But hindsight. Hindsight is a uh, hindsight is twenty twenty one. Forgot about that company. 2021. <laughs> and also, Andrew, uh, we, we mentioned about the three re revenue streams of uh, of uh, classified business: advertising, payment, and uh, and protection. So, 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 I think I mean we, we analyze these three. We probably know why Carousel is finds it so hard to make money, right? Protection. I mean, in this region, people don't have trust, and uh, all this social, all this like you know. The experience of uh, of seeing the video, the experience of chat, whatever that that that, that sort of captures that 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 right. I mean, uh, the the trust thing. So so whether you buy insurance or not, I mean, it probably doesn't move the needle. And we look at payment. I mean, they're not capturing the transactions now, and uh, and they, they don't own the payment. So so if they do the payment, they have to pay third parties a large fee. So 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 so. And also, I think with the hundred million dollars they have, uh, if it's cash, I mean, it won't be enough for them to build that um, payment or whatever, whatever to be viable. Mm. And advertising, mm. it still goes back to our, our points, right? I mean, consumers don't advertise. It's the dealers, it's the agents, yeah. it's the it's the C2C sellers. Mm. But those guys are not here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if they they were going for the user base play, but they didn't really go for the you know, if they had charged like a high enough take rate in the beginning, they would have know what their market focus is. But it, but it seems that you know if they if they're trying to optimize on a payment stack now, like the, relative to what they can charge, you know, it's not going to add much to it. And dude, building a whole payment infrastructure is going to cost a pretty penny, aside from these acquisitions, right? So it's either like you're using the money for growth and tech, or you know you're going to put all these kind of profitable companies together and try to probably sell it later or yeah. something. But yeah. it's a very weird situation, I think. I still think, and, and we spoke about this in like episode one. I think Grab needs to move into this space. Like it's an easy way. Like for, for yeah. Grab, it like for Grab, it makes way more sense, right? They've got chat, they've got the the super app. But like it's if feature. they just launch this as right. a feature, yeah, yeah, as a feature, they would kill this market. I mean, so just, do you guys think C two C is still there's still room to grow and play and be viable? It's just that no one's really kind of done it, right? I mean. Look, I, I think technically a lot of players in Shopee do it. Like if you look at the merchant base of Shopee, it exists, right? Oh, yeah, that's and kind of true, actually. Of you're right, you're right. Yeah. 
And then if you if you look at like uh, Instagram and WhatsApp sellers, like right now, it, like in in Malaysia and Indonesia, there's a model, the, the agent model that's really really popular, right? So what would happen yeah. is you have a celebrity that produces a hijab or some cosmetics, and then you have a ton of like downlines that yeah. buy the hijabs from them, and then they sell them. And in the past, there used to be prohibitions from these uh, agents selling in. Um, in digital ways, right? So they like what what happened is like the the product owner would want to sell uh, directly on digital, but now those uh, things are relaxing. And so, like in Mal- in Indonesia now, you have these people who who do like these multi agencies. They sell like a hijab and a cosmetic product and some food products and something special for like the festivities, right? And I think what's going to happen is like the platforms required for them to be able to be these multi agents are going to increase, right? So you have you have TikTok getting to the space, you have Shopee getting to the space. Um, I I again I think I think uh, sorry man. So I I apologize on behalf of my partner Alex. <laughs> Andrew, you, you, what's going to happen? Instead of apologizing, try to speak up more while you will still have the the good Wi-Fi. Share more oh, insights yeah, while true. you still have, mean, the, have the good Wi-Fi. Honestly, it's it's incredible not to be lagging. Like I'm, clear. I'm just like I'm looking at Dave's like. You know, you remember when videos used to have like .3GP before we had like MP MPEG yeah, files, yeah, yeah. like when when you when you feel like Dave looks like one of those .3GP videos, right? He's like pixelated, and then like Alex keeps hanging, yeah. and t- today I feel awesome. So yeah, is this I'm feeling is this your pain now. I, I like? you know what we found a problem. It's it's the problem was your partner. So <laughs> I think so. I think so. So I, I guess what we know we know what we got to do, huh? <laughs> and, I don't know. What, what and I'll leave it at that. I, I, I don't. Know. Don't we have to end the podcast right now, Alex? Uh, yeah, we got eight minutes left. Um, do you want to use eight minutes, or you do you want to talk yeah. about anything else, Delta, or no. are we good? I'm good. I'm good. You're, well, I'll, I'll say this: uh, the Malaysia economy is completely opening up in a, like probably one more month. They already just entered phase two, which means even more retail opens up. Everyone's out and about. How, how is Singapore, Jangan? Singapore is uh, registering this uh, this huge rise in, in in case numbers. I think um, I think I mean the, the past two days was like eight hundred each day, and yesterday reached nine hundred. And uh, I think I think today or tomorrow is going to. I mean, by the time you okay, today is the sixteenth of uh, September, right? Or seventeenth? Seventeenth. Yeah. So 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 basically by today, I think you you surpassed one thousand. Um, but I mean, I, I I think the government has been been super rational. So 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 they're they're monitoring the um the the, the sort of serious illness and 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 ICU numbers, which has thankfully not grown up significantly. But uh, but but this is this is very very um emotionally hard experiment. I mean, if you look at the society, people are talking about you know uh, how can you leave all this like you know, vulnerable people and stuff. But um but but it's it's, it's a careful balance. I mean. I look at the FNB oh. establishments around where I am. Lots of them are, uh, are, are closed, and of course, you can argue that oh, many of still. them are are not competitive uh, in the first place. But at the end of the day, this is, <laughs> these are job loss, right? I mean, as far yeah. as the government is yeah. concerned, yeah. So, so I think it takes time to adjust. Mm. I stopped looking at numbers. I, I, I think Malaysia is already uh, what seventy seventy percent double vaxxed, right? I I, I don't know. It's, if, how, how's how's America, Dave? What, what is COVID in America like? Oh, what dude, COVID? it's 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 all everyone talks about here, right? Like uh, the president's talking oh, is about it still. Uh, it's just. Oh I mean, God. it's they, 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 we're we're at the point now where we're talking about like um, potentially it's like federal vaccine mandates for all employers that employ over a hundred people, and this is like 
an epic yeah. battle. Like Joe Biden's approval rate is like he has like I think the lowest approval rate of any president in recent in modern history in like the last thirty years because of this and Afghanistan. Wow. And actually, it's not even Afghanistan. It's mostly wow, this. It's mostly the COVID thing. <laughs> yeah, most of COVID. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. I'm getting my diving license. Things are opening up. Can go diving soon. Yeah, let's go diving. Where are you going? Am I invited on this trip? Well, Tioman is opening up. But yeah, we'll do that. We'll do a dive trip. Let's do that. This is barbarian dive trip. Jagan, you got to get your license. No, I have the license. Yeah, let's do it. Definitely doing a barbarian dive trip. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Barbarian dive trip. Let's go. Let's do it. We, we need a barbarian villa. <laughs> That's right. Maybe we'll record the next episode yeah. underwater, guys. Underwater. Can we get some underwater, underwater LLB. microphones? Yeah, he yes, so, we can. We'll he out. sold out the underwater Wi-Fi Under first. Under the sea. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. We're not bringing Andrew's partner, so should be fine. I think, I think his partner was back. <laughs> it's just make, 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 sure, make sure my partner isn't with us underwater <laughs> then. I'm 100% sure we have to bring her. Like, I don't think it's possible right. to. Yeah. Right. Okay, guys, we're ending on time today. All right. Thank you for another lovely session. Dave, enjoy America. And uh, I hope will. we'll see all you soon. All right. Bye, guys. Underwater. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>